All right, welcome, welcome everybody to the second episode of the Final Final Podcast. Thanks for listening this week. I hope you enjoyed last week's episode and the beginning of the Final Final Podcast. Joining me today is my good friend, roommate actually, and a co-worker at NFL Network, Jordan Anderson. Jordan is a member of the social media department and team and just recently returned from Indy where he was working the NFL Combine. He just got back this past Monday and was telling me a few things from his trip and I was thinking this would be the perfect guest stories and, and timing for everything for the podcast. First guest, I may add to Jordan, thanks for joining me here on the Final Final. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Um and I'm excited to talk some football today. Let's do this. I mean, this episode is going to be all about the NFL Combine, um, a lot about Jordan's experience in Indy as well, and I'm excited to get going here. So I'll jump right into it. First off the bat, Jordan, tell us about your role and expand what you do kind of as a social media member at NFL Network. Yeah, so what I like to describe is, is I work on the television side of social media. Um, so a lot of the stuff that I do is integrating social into the television experience, um, which was different than what we were doing at the Combine. Uh, so on a normal week, we're, you know, throwing in good tweets when stuff happens, you know, specifically, you know, when a big trade goes down, you know, all the player reaction, we're putting that up on TV and just kind of helping tell the story. We're also working with our talent. It's making sure they're getting all their stuff for their social media and creating a little bit of graphics and stuff for them, basically to, to do the news side of social media. When I was doing it at the Combine, was more of a uh, a deep dive on the players to kind of help tell their story that was on a digital platform, which was an absolute blast. So, you know, there's, we like to sometimes describe the digital platform as, you know, there's a little bit more creativity. You can do a little bit, you get away with a little bit more uh, when it comes with, with rights usage. So that was a blast, a lot of good experiences and a lot of new things. So you're working with like Colleen Wolf, right? With that touchscreen that we saw a lot of uh, those interviews with some of those players with the social media that she was bringing up. Yeah. So anytime you saw Colleen or there was Colleen and Andrew Hawkins was another person another talent that was running some of the interviews. When they had a player that was at the touch screen with social in the background, that was a lot of the stuff that we helped produce. Yeah, those were a lot of fun interviews to watch for sure. I mean, I remember watching a couple of those. There's the Chase Young and, of course, the the smoothie. That definitely was a, a big hit for a lot of people to watch. Uh, who was that, the offensive lineman? Yeah, Ben Barch out of right. St. John's in Minnesota, a D3 product, the only D3 kid there. Ironically enough, he was kind of a late add to what we were deciding to do. Right. Uh, we added him the night before, and we are like, how can we make this great? You know, Colleen came up with the idea, like, we got to make this shake on the field. And so I had to go and, like, pick up the eggs for the shake, like, 10 minutes before we were about to go on. So I'm like running through Lucas Oil Stadium in the tunnel and like literally get there as the interview is about to start and we're like plugging it in and we're literally blending stuff on the field like as the other other positions are running drills. It was a really neat story. It was all over social media, really cool. Just kind of how it all came together. That's great. I mean, that stuff sounds fun. Jordan, tell us about your time in Indianapolis. Maybe some of the fun stories. I mean, we talked about it before this podcast here, but share your experience of working at the NFL Combine for the first time and, and kind of what that is for people that obviously haven't worked at the NFL Combine or don't work for the NFL. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was a really neat experience overall. I mean, just, you know, me, I've, I've been around the game of football since I was five years old. This is the first season I haven't played since I was five. So it was, it, it's it's been a different a different thing for me. But the thing that I think is really unique is, 
you're seeing the the future of of the game of football right in front of your eyes what you know what's happening next you're seeing the Lamar Jackson the Patrick Mahomes of tomorrow right there um so i think that's the really really unique part about it and you know you indy's a very unique city place to have it so it was a fantastic experience i uh, really loved it a lot of it's just a deep class you know there's a lot of names from a lot of big schools and uh, it was just fun to be a part of. I mean, and, and to get to know these guys before they're stars in the NFL, that's got to be something that's really cool, too. And more on a deeper level, probably, from your point of view, for getting to do some of these interviews and, and working with the social media aspect as well. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like, you see, like, I mean, we had a few players stop by and they're like, oh, like, I've seen this on TV before. Like, having that reaction is really neat. But, I mean, definitely, like, the Joe Burrows, the Chase Youngs, the guys that you know, like, in five years, they're going to be the guy in the NFL, um, you know, to just meet them, talk with them, see them, you know, their personality a little bit. I thought that was really unique and just learn more about who they are as people. You know, I learned so much more than I would have ever known about any of these athletes. You know, the fact that Joe Burrow, excuse me, um, is a big Rocket League guy. He loves playing Rocket League. Huh. Right? You know, Chase Young was yeah. a was an avid dancer. He loves to dance, did some dances with the OSU dance team and just random stuff like that. You get to know the player beyond who he is, you know, on the field. And that's what I really enjoy. Um, Tell us about some of your favorite interviews. I mean, you just gave us the Joe Burrow and the Chase Young example. We know the Ben Barch one with the, with the smoothie that was made on the field. What are some of your other favorite ones that you guys uh, were a part of? Some of the other good ones, CeeDee Lamb. Um, yeah. You know, he has a really good story. And definitely, you know, he's, he's a fun guy, loves to dance. So we'd like cut, you know, the best dance videos from the year and had him rate them. That was really fun. You know, he got a good kick out of that. LaVisco Chenault, for me, I thought was, you know, it was a good interview. It was a lot of tough questions. He's been through a lot in his life. His dad passed away when he was 10 years old. And, you know, him telling his story and kind of he's grown his hair out since then. And, and hearing that, you know, basically everything that he's been through. I mean, he was with Kobe at his last Lakers game. So, like, he's been through a lot in his life and to be where he's at and performing at the level he is was just very unique so not necessarily that there was a lot of memorable moments from that interview that you know that that may have popped off on social media but it was just you know great to hear his story and what he's been through something that'll probably stick with you I mean it's I mean you're able to recall it right here so I mean that's one of those interviews that sticks with you past the combine for sure absolutely I mean you know sometimes you look back maybe like five years from now you'll look back and you're like I may not remember, you know, the guy that went in the third round or whatever it may be, but if it is a guy that we interviewed, it's like, you know, like I, you know, I, I remember that story. I remember hearing about that person and, and what that person has been through. Um, I don't know. I, I'm just, I'm a storyteller. I'm a curious individual and it was a perfect week to be able to do that. Yeah, that that's definitely really cool. Let's get into some analysis of our own now. I mean, we've been seeing everybody from the experts like DJ at, at NFL Network, all their analysis since the Combine. Let me ask you this first. What stood out to you from being on the ground level of the NFL Combine? What kind of stood out in terms of the workouts that you saw these players go through? I don't think some people realize just how athletically gifted these guys are. I mean, it's just like you watch them on TV and some people are like, yeah, maybe I could do that. And and then you just get out there and you realize like these guys <laughs> are on a different level. I mean, to see a guy like Isaiah Simmons who ran a sub 4-4 and then jumped over 40 inches. I mean, it's like it's incredible, and he's playing linebacker. It's like, I don't know, I, you just you just have a different um, appreciation for what these guys are able to do, like a Jeff Okuda. Like, he didn't run the fastest of the day. I mean, he was a little disappointed, and, and his, his running got a little banged up 
And then you just go out there and you watch him run field drills and his footwork. And it's like, oh my goodness, I now I see why this guy is the top cornerback in the draft. Right. So I think it was just a new appreciation for what these guys are able to do, the skills that they have. I mean, it's just, it's incredible. Compare it from watching the Combine on TV to being there on the ground level. I mean, I was here back at our apartment watching it on TV. You're there on the ground level watching these guys work out. Try to compare those two if you can. You, you really can't. I don't think you really have an appreciation for a guy like a Henry Ruggs. He runs a 4.27. Yeah. I'm standing right next to it as he runs. And you just don't realize how fast 4.27 <laughs> is until you're right there. You're yeah. like, man, he looks pretty fast on TV. Yeah. But I mean, that... That man is moving like so fast. It's, it, I mean, it's hard to describe in words. It's just the speed of it, I think, is the big difference. Between it's, TV and being there. 100%. The- 100%. And just how big the guys are, yeah. you know? When you have a Mekhi Becton who's 6'7", oh over goodness. like 360 pounds, and he's running yeah. a five one one. I don't even know that if I put cleats on right now <laughs> at the 5'5", five, five, 185 pounds that I weigh <laughs> that I could run a 5'1". It's like, it's incredible what some of these guys yeah. are able to do. That's crazy. I mean, so, I mean, you've mentioned players from the cornerback group, the linebackers, the O-line, the receivers. What position group was really enjoyable for you to watch and really impressed a lot of these scouts at the Combine? I mean, you just named some from all over, both offense and defense. What do you think? I think the wide receiver group is the group from this class that'll stick out far and away. I mean, there's just so many big names at the top of it. It's such a deep class, too. Deep, deep class. I mean, I, I was looking back today. I think the most wide receivers ever taken in the first round has been seven. Yeah. And we're we're flirting with seven in this draft. I mean, there's three that everybody has locked into the first round at this point with the two from Alabama, Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, and C.D. Lamb. Those three for sure are going in the first round. I mean, and they all, they all did... Fantastic at the combine. I mean, it's it's one and two. You can pick between Lamb and Judy, I think, for a lot of people. And then Ruggs is right there at three, most likely. But then there's the teams in the 20s, like the Eagles and the Bills and the Saints and the Packers, that could all use a wide receiver as well. And, I mean, these three aren't going to drop down to the 20s, most likely. They could go maybe as high as eight to the Cardinals and all the way through those teens with the Broncos and teams like that. But, I mean, you're right. There's so and then And then even after the first round, too... Guys can get a great number two, possibly even a number one receiver in the second round as well. Yeah, I mean, it's just, I mean, it's blanketed full of really good receivers. You know, outside of the top three, you're looking at LaVisca Chenault, who, you know, could turn into kind of a lot of what um, receiver for the 49er, Debo oh, Samuel. Debo. Yeah. That, I mean, that is a good comparison for what LaVisca Chenault can do. I mean, he, yeah. can, he can run, he can catch. I mean, he could do a lot of different things. I mean, he's a great one. Justin Jefferson is another big name at wide receiver. He really helped himself at this combine, too. Yes, I mean, he ran really well, you know, performed really well in the in the drills. There was just so many wide receivers that really helped themselves and just kind of furthered the point of how deep this wide receiver class is. Now, you're not going to see you're not going to see a wide receiver probably go in the top 10, but okay. you're you're going to see three or four go guys that go from 10 to 20. Yeah. I mean, the Raiders are a big name. That's right. The that's Dolphins, with their second pick in the first round, I believe they're at 11. Um, that's another um, you know potential spot for yeah. some receivers. Um, and then as you get to Dallas, who you know has a pick, uh, Green Bay, who has a pick. There's a lot of teams like that. Yes. Another another group that really stood out to me was the offensive lineman group. Absolutely. I mean, there was so many guys with with good workouts too. There's like the top five of like Makai Becton. Andrew Thomas out of Georgia, Tristan Wirfs from Iowa, Jaderek Willis from Alabama, and then Josh Jones from Houston. Those are like the top five tackles. But then 
everybody was wondering who's going to be that in that next tier of tackles. And some guys really stepped up, which I thought was impressive. And I think offensive line is always a need for any team. It doesn't matter if you had the best offensive line last year. If you don't have depth at the position, it could be a real struggle for you going into the season. So I think the O-line was another one of those groups that really impressed the scouts this year. 100%. Yeah, I mean, there was just so many guys that helped themselves a lot running and just, you know, backed up what they were able to do on the field. I think what's really interesting for me is the pick number four with the Giants. They, you know, they have a little bit of a dilemma on their hands. Do they want to go with a versatile defense, defensive player like Isaiah Simmons or do they want to go, you know, with a guy like a Tristan Wirfs or Mekhi Becton? Protect Daniel Jones. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's... It's going to be interesting to see it for. I really think the top three, I think they're pretty locked in. I don't think you're going to see any movement. I think you're going to see Burrow at one, Young at two, Okuda at three. I think those are locked in. Mm-hmm. Four could get really interesting. And trades could happen at that Absolutely. point, too. Absolutely. Jordan, give me a player that really stood out to you and, and kind of boosted their draft stock, either into the first round, higher than if they were already in the first round. Who do you think had a really nice combine and really just boosted their draft stock through the roof. I think Tristan Wirfs was the guy oh, for me. Oh my goodness. Had a day. I mean, to be that big and run a 48540 is, is simply incredible. And speed's not everything, but I mean, he just backed it up. I mean, if you look at this kid's tape, I mean, he played in the Big 10, he played in a pro-style it's offense. A physical off Absolutely. A physical conference. I mean, you see a lot of guys who block succeed out of Iowa. You got yeah. George Kittle, the yeah. two tight ends, Hawkinson and Fant from last year. Yeah. Now that they're tight ends, but they focus so much. I mean, Kittle is so... What makes Kittle so good is, yeah, he can catch the ball, but you can also rely on him to chip a defensive end to give your quarterback some more time to throw. So, you know, I mean, they really they really prioritize that in the Big Ten. So I think Tristan Wirfs, given what he has already done, plus how he performed at the Combine, you know, I heard from some mm-hmm. guys on the field um, just talking that, you know, he really shined. I mean, yeah. he's a... He's a Shoe in for a top ten pick, yeah, um, be really interesting. Wow, interesting. I mean, he wasn't a shoe in before the combine. I don't think for a top ten, but now, I mean, like you're saying, after his combine, that really helps his draft stock if, in top ten for sure. One guy that really stood out to me, and I think has stood out to a lot of people as well, is Denzel Mims, the wide receiver from Baylor. I mean, he ran really well. He caught the ball well, and his athleticism showed as well. His three cone drill, he ran it in six point six six seconds. The next closest receiver was 6.94 seconds. Three-tenths of a second faster than the guy in second place at wide receiver. That helps you stand out a little bit. Yeah, and I mean, he plays in, a, in an offense like a Big 12 where, you know, wide receivers are dominant. And so he has a lot of good stuff on tape, can move well, and, I mean, just adds to the depth of that class. I mean, I think he vaulted himself into the first-round conversation for sure as a wide receiver. With how deep this wide receiver class is, too, that's pretty impressive. Jordan, give me a guy who you think might have struggled a little bit and their and their draft stock has maybe kind of dropped a little bit since the combine. I think Jalen Rager is a guy that struggled a little bit. Yeah, I he, think so too. He came in and, you know, he was really adamant about, you know, possibly breaking the 40 record and then he doesn't break 4-4. He was on the low end of 4-4 yeah, too, it, it like 4-4-7. It doesn't, it doesn't hurt him. Right. I mean, running a 4-4-7 is, is pretty good speed, but... <laughs> When you're expecting a four two or four three out of a guy, and then he goes, then he goes four four seven, mm, he I mean, loses a little bit of money. And like in the in the problem with it too, the forty isn't like the biggest deal, right? But when there's such a deep wide receiver class, every little thing matters. So if they're picking hairs, they're gonna be like, well, he looked a little bit slower, and maybe his tape is a little bit slower. So that could be a problem for Jalen Rieger. I agree. He, especially when they were saying Henry Ruggs, Jalen Rieger, these are the two guys forty that you're gonna want to watch possibly breaking 
John Ross's record of 4-2-2, and he doesn't even break 4-4, and he's at the low end of 4-4. I mean, that could be a little bit of a problem for, for Jalen Rieger. He could drop maybe to the second round after being like a first-round wide receiver consideration. Yeah, he'll probably be a second-round guy. Yeah. I mean, there's just the... the... The first round, it's just, I mean, it's, there's 32 guys. I mean, it's its hard to be a first-round pick, and um, there's a lot, a lot of good talent in this draft. All right, so Jordan, let's get to final thoughts. Actually, one thing that I wanted to ask you about is there's a lot of talk about the Combine possibly leaving Indianapolis. New this year, what they did was they tried to start the Combine much later so that a lot of these performances would be in prime time, so when people are home, they can watch these 40-yard dashes, they can watch... Henry Ruggs try and break John Ross's record. A lot of thought is that it might come out to L.A. in Pacific time, as then it doesn't start as late in the day and it doesn't go till 11 p.m. Eastern time or something like that. What do you think about that, about the combine moving out of Indianapolis where it's been for so many years? I think the, I mean, first of all, I'm, I'm pretty sure just, you know, hearing from people in the Indianapolis community, I think they're locked in there for one more year at least until the end of next year. Okay. But yeah, L.A. is definitely the topic, especially with the new stadium. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think the thing that that I really like about Indy is, and obviously, I mean, the primetime thing, huge success for NFL Network. Yeah. I think day one, they was their highest rated day one in NFL combine history. Quarterbacks, wide receivers. Yeah, quarterbacks, wide receivers, tight ends, which, I mean, certainly helps. Yeah. But, I mean, to have the highest rated day ever, that's that's really uh, helpful as well. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think the, the unique thing about Indy is it's all right there. Um, I mean, you have the convention center right next door where you can, you know, handle some events. There's just a lot of space and it's all kind of right next to each other. If you move it to L.A., it's like, you know, where are you putting the players in hotels? Where are you putting the agents in hotels? Where are the media going to stay? And it's like there's not by the new stadium. There's not a lot of that stuff around it that you have it, you know, in Indianapolis where there's the field. The convention center, four or five hotels, plenty of good restaurants, you know, stuff like that. All um, in one kind of centralized absolutely. location. Yeah. LA's a little more spread out. Yes, for sure. Mm, so that could um, be a problem. That could be. But I don't know. I really liked you, Andy. Um, I thought it was a really unique experience. Mm-hmm. Plus, it's kind of the center point for, you know, all the NFL teams. Yeah. But, you know, who? we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. I mean, I've been to Indianapolis myself. I went to a couple of Big Ten uh, football championship games when Wisconsin went there. And it's it's a really cool city for sure. I mean, the stadium is fantastic as well. So I mean, we'll have we'll see what they do. Jordan, last thing I wanted to ask about this too is, were you able to hear anything about maybe anyone who had a really good interview process with a lot of these teams? Because we know not necessarily on the field workout is the most important. It's sometimes the medical evaluations and the interview process that they go with with these teams. I mean, who did you hear had a really good interview process through this combine? Yeah, I mean, not necessarily that he needed to help himself, yeah. but Tua's, you know, good report back on his hip um, and then meeting yeah. with teams, you know, I think, I mean, it could make things interesting. It could make a team want to trade into that three or four spot to try to go get him before Miami does at five. We'll see. I think he was definitely helped himself out quite a bit. And I think, you know, some of the other players, you know, I know Justin Herbert had a really nice day. He helped himself out a lot. And I think Jalen Hurts helped himself out a lot, yeah. too, from what I've heard. There was a lot of buzz around him during the broadcast, too. He's, he worked on his footwork a lot, and a lot of people were impressed with that. So, I mean, we saw the interview that he had on NFL Network with Mariucci, Steve Mariucci, and, and that looked like fun and, and, and such like that. So uh, we'll see how he goes. I've heard that he could possibly work himself into the second round with the with the week that he had in Indianapolis. So we'll see. Yeah, I think Jalen's just a guy. Like When I'm looking at a quarterback, I mean, just specifically for me, I want to see a winner. Yeah. 
you know, I want a guy who's won. And, and he's and won he's, at two places. He's won everywhere. Um, Alabama and Oklahoma. For sure. Yeah, so, that's yeah. definitely a big deal. All right, so, Jordan, let's move over to this now. So, Jordan's a Bears fan. He's from Illinois. I'm a Packers fan, being from Wisconsin. So, we have some fun arguing Packers-Bears. We did it this past year during the season. Jordan, let's talk about the draft, though, in terms of the Bears and Packers. The Bears don't have a first-round pick this year as it went to the Raiders in that deal that brought over Khalil Mack. They don't pick until the second round where they have picks 43 and 50. What is a position or a player you're kind of hoping for that the Bears target in this draft to get them back on top of the division where they were two years ago? Yeah, I mean, I'm very excited to kick my feet up and watch the first round and knowing that our first round pick is Khalil Mack. Mm. (laughs) I'm so happy about it. I mean, Khalil Mack has really changed the game in Chicago, and although the numbers really didn't stand up for it this year, um, you know, he had another incredible year. Right. That 43 and 50 spot's going to be really interesting. There's a couple different routes they're going to go. You know, they're going to look to Dale Leonard Floyd. Just kind of lost some production out of him, you know, a former number, a former top 10 pick out right. of Georgia. You know, I, I think a pass rusher is definitely a big a big thing for them, somebody somebody to compliment Mac. I mean, when you have a guy on the other side of Mac that can go out and get 10 sacks a year, that makes Khalil Mack a 15 to 20 sack a year type of guy. Right. Um, I mean, when you have a guy like a Leonard Floyd who only goes for like one or two, then you can double, triple team a little bit. Khalil Mack, you're not working to worry so much about it. So I think that's going to be a big thing for the Bears. And then the other big thing is the tight end. That's such an important piece with Matt Nagy's offense. You saw it two years ago when they won the division. Trubisky was so good because of how good the play of Trey Burton was. They just signed a guy um, out of Cleveland. That'll be a little bit of a help for him. But I think they really need to go get somebody in the draft. I think I think the guy everybody would really, really want right there is Cole Komet, Chicago guy. Yeah. I don't think he's going to last that long. Possible I mean, first-rounder at yeah, tight he's end. Yeah, he's a first-round type of talent. Yeah. But there's a couple other ones. I mean, Adam Trotman had a really good combine. Yeah. Impressed a lot of guys. He's out of Dayton, a small school guy. And then Bryson Hopkins out of Purdue. So you got a lot of Midwest guys. I think all three could be a big fit for the Bears, really help them out in that offense, and we'll see. I mean, tight end... It's something that the Packers have been struggling with since they let Jared Cook go after they had him for only one year. I mean, they tried it with Jimmy Graham, and I mean, we saw today from Ian Rappaport they're most likely to release Jimmy Graham this upcoming year. I mean, they have Jay Sternberger, but he had an injury problem. So, I mean, tight end is, unless you have like a Travis Kelsey or a George Kittle, you can always improve at tight end. So that'll be interesting. But for me, I'm looking at the Packers. They have their first-round pick at 30. They have their second-round pick. At 62. So there's a couple guys at 30 that I'm hoping the Packers go. They could go two positions here. Linebacker and wide receiver. Blake Martinez, the Packers inside linebacker, is most likely, or he is a free agent, most likely not to return to the Packers. And there's two inside linebackers in this draft that are first-round talents. I'm not even sure if they're going to fall to the Packers, but that's Kenneth Murray and Patrick Queen, Oklahoma and LSU guys. And these guys have, and the thing that people are looking for in inside linebackers these days are your coverage skills. Almost everybody in the NFL has to be able to tackle, and they can, but you have to be able to cover some of these fast running backs coming out of the backfield, some of these athletic tight ends that line up inside next to the offensive line. Packers have been missing that at inside linebacker for a while now, and I think one of these two guys could be the guy for them at 30, but if that doesn't happen there, they need to get more help for Aaron Rodgers, I think, on the offensive side. Could be a Justin Jefferson, could be a T. Higgins at this point, Denzel Mims is a guy that the Packers could target as well. So, I mean, I th- I'm thinking at wide receiver and linebacker for that for that 30 spot for the Packers in the first round. What do you think 
Do you think the Bears at 43 and 50, one should be a pass rusher, one should try to be a tight end? I think, yeah, I think going into any draft, I mean, you definitely have positions of need. But, I mean, you never want to you never want to hold tight to that. I mean, because what if there is a guy that slips to a 43 spot? You know, a first-round guy that you were high on. You yeah. Know, you're like, maybe he's not a direct position of need, but we can't let this guy go. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the one thing you've seen with Pace being in Chicago is everybody is going to be on him for the pick at number two at with Trubisky until right. Trubisky or you know proves himself. But you got to look at some of the other guys he's brought in there who have made a difference. A Roquan Smith, mm-hmm. I mean, who's an all, he's going to be an All Pro level type of of linebacker. You bring in Cody Whitehair, who's an All Pro in his second year. You know Tariq Cohen, who had an All Pro year. You know, just some of the guys that he's able to find late in the draft, you know, it's been really impressive. You know, Eddie Jackson. Yeah. Eddie Jackson's one of the top one of the top safeties, safeties in, in the NFL. You're right. He's a fourth round talent or fourth round draft pick. So I think that's where Pace thrives. So we'll see. It'll yeah. be interesting. So you brought up Trubisky and, and that's something that is gonna be held over the head of the GM as he traded up a spot to get him when and I'm sure you hear this all the time. There's guys like Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson in the same draft, and Mitchell Trubisky's taken in front of him. Let me get your thoughts as a fan, as a Bears fan, on Mitchell Trubisky. Is he your franchise quarterback? After there were a lot of questions brought up this year and how the Bears performed, what are your thoughts on, on Mitchell Trubisky? I'm going to hold off on saying the word franchise, but he's, okay. he's our quarterback. Okay. I think the Bears are in the situation of the Tennessee Titans a year ago. Mm. What they're going to do is going to bring in a veteran quarterback. Okay. And I think you got to push Mitch a little bit. You're going to say, you know what? It's your time to shine or you're done. You know, they got an option for a fifth year. He's on his fourth year of his rookie deal right, right. now. Does have an option. So at the end of this year, you got to decide, all right, are we picking up that option or are we, are we you know, cutting bait and you're, and you're gone? Right. Or um, even if he performs really well, they could sign him to an extension too. True, but you'd probably pick him up a fifth year option and let him play on that rookie deal. Absolutely. Uh, save you some money, obviously, yeah. too. You know, Andy Dalton's a guy that, that a lot yeah. of people have talked about. Even Marcus Mariota, who the thing happened to him in Tennessee. Derek right. Carr's been another name mentioned. I think the Bears have done too much restructuring of the offense to not give Mitch the shot right away. Okay. They brought in a guy like Filippo who turned around Foles' career in Philadelphia. They brought in Laser, who, you know, is a run, you know, a run first guy who's done really well with quarterbacks, and then they leave Trubisky's quarterback coach there, and then leave Nagy. I mean, those are four. Like, if Trubisky can't get it done with those four guys, it's time to find somebody else. There's just, the thing for me is he just, he has, like, this knack for, like, making plays, but then you just see him make these awful throws. It's like, (laughs) what is going on? They need consistency. The consistency. They yeah. need the the Mitch Trubisky against the Dallas Cowboys this year when the season was on the line. That's what they need, and he requires so much help. I think that's the str- the the stressful thing about it. But you know they put that help around him. I think a tight end will make a difference. I mean they didn't have that tight end. You saw when the, the games that the tight ends like exploded and really well, those were the games that we played the best. Right. I mean, like the Cowboys, I think the three or four of the first five passes like went to a tight end for like plus 15 yards. When the tight end's successful in that offense, Mr. Trubisky's successful. So I really hope that the tight end will come in and make a difference. But your biggest concern is that he's not necessarily the guy that can carry the team. He needs all this support 
around him to then lead the team or be game manager. That's game the, manager. That's the word. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that he's. He's definitely not a guy that's just going to go out and take you to a Super Bowl. <laughs> but interesting. Here's what the Bears are. They are a, a. They need to be a win now team with the defense that they have. Right. I think he's a guy that can take them there. He's going to need a little bit of help, no doubt. But we'll see. It'll be interesting. I'm a. I'm a Mitch Trubisky truther, and I will okay. be until the day that he leaves. He us. leaves. <laughs> but oh, man, I really. I think he he was the product of a lot of unlucky falls this year. Okay. I want to say that. I mean, a lot of guys got hurt. 2020 season, who's on top of the NFC North division? I'm going to be biased in saying this, but I think it's Chicago. Oh, you're wrong. It's Green Bay. It's Green Bay. Matt LaFleur, second year. I'm sorry. You guys don't have a chance. Yeah, but (laughs) I don't know. I mean, I think definitely Green Bay and Chicago are the top two teams. I agree. I think... You know, didn't you just finish third behind Minnesota this year? We did. Yeah, that's did. tough. It, it was. It was, 100%. Sorry. But we also beat Minnesota twice. <laughs> so, um... Just had to bring it up. Oh, for sure. I mean, <laughs> we, we beat Minnesota twice and then have a couple, you know, bad losses. Um, definitely didn't help us. You know, the bad loss to the Raiders in London and then a, a one-point loss to the Chargers. And, I mean, those happened to every NFL team, but... I mean, we'll see. I, I believe in us. You know, we have a Super Bowl caliber defense. James Jones said it today. If Derek Carr goes to Chicago, they're a Super Bowl contenders. So that's a former Packer talking about the Bears like that. Something to say. Ah, James. <laughs> Can't do this to me. I just, I had him on the ropes. Oh, my goodness. All right. Jordan, final, final thoughts now from the night. Tom Brady. There has been a lot of talk since the Combine at the Combine, that a lot of people are thinking it's very unlikely that Tom Brady might not be back in a Patriots uniform in 2020, but that he would be he would be playing for another team. Is there anything you can tell us from being at the Combine that you might have heard that Tom Brady won't be a Patriot next season? Pure speculation. You know about as much as I do, <laughs> but... Um... I don't think Tom Brady is a Patriot next year. You don't think he's going to be a Patriot? I don't think so. Oh, my goodness. Really? Yes. I just can't imagine it. I, nobody can. But who would have thought Peyton didn't finish as a Colt? See, but that one, people bring that one up. That one seems different to me in the fact that Peyton just had four neck surgeries. This mm-hmm. was on, this is after some serious injury yeah. concerns. There's a guy that the, the Colts have the number one overall pick, and there's a franchise guy ready for them in Andrew Luck. That made sense to me that they moved on. From an old, I mean, what are the other options for the Patriots at quarterback? They're definitely going to go have to get a guy. Yeah, um, they don't have one on their roster. Yeah, they have Jared Siddham, but he's definitely not. He's not a not he's ready. Not their guy. Yeah, but you don't, don't think he'll don't be think, in it? I don't think Brady's a Patriot. Where do you think he could end up then? Like, what is your prediction for where he'll go? He is a Los Angeles Charger. Really? Yes. So the Chargers. With that sixth overall pick, do you think they'll take a quarterback in the first round? I don't think so. You don't think so? Wow, that's really interesting. A Charger. I just it's so hard for me to see the him Chargers outside. Chargers are of another her. team like that yeah. defense. They're a win now team. I guess they have a lot of guys. I mean, yeah. they have they have two really good running backs. They have Keenan Allen who can go. Ca- yeah, I mean. Brady didn't have that in New England. He's instantly going to a better team. I think. So yeah, I mean, Melvin Gordon's a free agent, but they could they could bring him back. So it's Keenan Allen. At wide receiver as well, do they they got to resign Hunter Henry? I mean, we sure. know how well Tom Brady sure. and they could tag Hunter Henry. Yeah, 
for sure. Now I'm thinking about but this. But if, I, if I'm actually, if I'm Tom Brady, why not? That seems like actually like the amount of money that Tom Brady could make coming to Los Angeles is absurd. That's crazy. For LeBron and Tom Brady, the faces. Oh my of LA. goodness! Both Book it now. LA. Book it now. That's crazy. I can't see him leaving. Uh, leaving the Patriots. I mean, we just heard uh, today as well that him and, and Bill Belichick have talked. Recently, I mean, nothing progressed from there, but they've been yeah. talking on the phone. I mean, some sources say it went well, some say it yeah. didn't go well. <laughs> it's all speculation at this point. Right. I mean, it's just a media firestorm. March 18th is when we're going to actually know. Yeah. I think he's a Los Angeles Charger. That's Man. just my that's my, yeah. my take. It would just be, it would be the the talk of NFL Network for a week that Tom Brady is no longer It would be New the England. talk of NFL Network until the first game next year. I mean, I mean already the talk no, of No, I mean, that's you know? true. Every every day you lead it off Absolutely. at the top of the A block with yes. Tom Brady. Oh, my goodness. Well, Jordan, thanks for joining me here on the final, final podcast. Uh, this was really great, especially all that insight that you provided from the NFL Combine. I don't know how insightful that insight was, but it was <laughs> a lot of my opinion. I'm glad you yeah. enjoyed it. Um, let's do it again sometime, Mel. I had a great time. All right, thanks, Jordan. And thank you to everyone who listened to this episode of the final, final podcast as well. This Combine talk hopefully gets you engaged for the upcoming NFL draft. Remember, I'll be doing my own mock draft here on the podcast during the week of the NFL Draft, which is in mid-April. So there will be more talk to come with the draft and the NFL as free agency begins in just about two weeks. Jordan just mentioned it, March 18th. Next week, I plan to get to the MLB and opening day arriving soon, as well as the Houston Astros in their offseason and what is left to come for them after their sign-stealing scandal. So we won't want to miss that episode as well. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. And that is the final final.